you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. Good morning, Compassion. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? You guys look good. Two of you look good. The rest of you are ugly. What you want me to say? We're so glad to have you at Compassion. Glad to have you in the house of the Lord. Well, it happened. We've been wondering, afraid of, scared that, you know, I travel back and forth every Sunday. I have a 915 service at the other campus. and then drive over here to preach at the 10 o'clock service and then drive back over to preach at the 11 o'clock service and drive back over to preach at the 11.30 service. There's always been our little bit of fear, but what if something happens? Well, it happened. Today on the way up to the other campus, my tire came apart. And uh, I hopped it along and got to the, to the other church and then I had to call someone to come get me today. But I thought to myself, oh, what can happen along the journey? That can slow you down. That can make you see things different. In fact, uh, it, it didn't blow. It just kind of came apart a little bit. I had to pull over, and I heard this noise. I thought, what is that noise? And I thought something was wrong. I got the hood up and on the side of the road, and I, nothing wrong with that. And I, I'm about to get in the car, and I thought, well, just let me see if there's anything under the car. So I get over, and I sit down, and I kind of on the ground, I look, and I said, oh, there's a stick. There's a stick in between the tire. That's the, that's the noise that I'm hearing. So I go over to grab the stick and I yank on it. It ain't the stick, it's the tire. The tire's literally coming apart. So I, I had uh, one of the church members at the other church pulls up behind me and said, Pastor, what's going on? And uh, he said, you must have a good sermon for us today. I said, I wish I hadn't done that because it messed up my tire. So I drove real slow, and then we called somebody from the church. And we, I actually drove it back home, but I drove about 40 miles an hour. And someone followed me back. and It got me thinking how something along the journey can change the way you see everything. And sometimes it, it'll slow you down. I'm going to talk to you today about encountering a hero. About a man that was on a journey. Heading to a place called Damascus. The Bible says that he was, as he was nearing Damascus, something would happen that would change his life forever. That would make him slow down for a second. In fact, for three days he slowed down because he was blind and he could not see. For three days he had a moment to think about his life and what he'd been doing and how he had been doing it. And how he needed to change everything. So today I'm going to talk about encountering a hero. I want you to look with me at Acts chapter 9 verse 1. You can actually find the account of this Paul who in a few moments I will call Saul. Paul in Acts 22 tells the story himself. But then when you go over to 26, you find that he tells the story again. In other words, he, he begins to tell the story of how God changed his life through one single encounter. 
Let me share this with you. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if that he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly, I want to speak that over some of your lives today. You need a suddenly. You need a sudden encounter with God. You need a sudden move of the Holy Spirit. You need a sudden thought that makes you think that what you're doing isn't what you should be doing and that if you would just turn your life to God, he could change you forever. Some you need a suddenly. Don't get me preaching. He fell to the ground. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I skipped there. And suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Now, isn't that ironic? He says that. Who are you? But then he calls him Lord. There are some times we know that something supernatural is happening. We just don't know that God's intervening. There are some times that something is happening in your life. You can't put your finger on it. You don't know why it's taking place. You don't know what it is, but what you do know, it is a divine intervention. Saul asked, and then he said, I am Jesus whom you, pers whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that we're about to receive. Lord, I pray today that every heart and every life will be changed and impacted by your word and by your presence. And I pray today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you would have your way in this house. Let us today encounter the greatest hero of all times, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. As we look at this passage here, what is happening is, is there's a man by the name of Saul. He's part of the Sanhedrin. He's a Pharisee. And I guess the best word that we could use would be the word zealot, passionate, on fire for what he believed in. And what he believed in was Judaism. But he'd take it to another level. In fact, we find in this passage, he'd gone to the high priest and he asked the high priest, hey, can I have some letters from you? I'm going to take it to Damascus. And if I find any of the way, in that word when he says the way, he's referring to Christians. If I find any Christians there, I want to bring them back and we want to prison. Now, he's not talking about Gentile Christians, but Jewish Christians. If I find any Jewish Christians, I want to bring them back and we're going to persecute them. We're going to imprison them for turning on the faith. Now, we see Paul here, or Saul, as a villain. But in Saul's mind, he's not a villain. In Saul's mind, he is passionate about his faith, what he believes. Really, to be honest with you, he was a religious man. How many times have we become passionate about things that we shouldn't be passionate about. Now, let me rephrase that. Not that we shouldn't be passionate about it, 
but we shouldn't be more passionate about it than the faith of God, our relationship with Christ Jesus. How many right now that your job is your passion because you want to make more money? You want to make sure you have enough toys. Oh, I'm just trying to provide for my family. No, you just want another motorcycle. I'm just trying to provide for my family. No, you just want another Michael Kors purse. Is that true? Is that a Michael Kors? Okay, just like you. I'm getting pretty good. You just want another good year purse. I don't know. Maybe it's not that. I, I, I was. Maybe it's sports. Maybe you're passionate about sports and. And in fact, I was on my way to the other campus this morning as I'm driving that road, I'm crossing over a bridge and I look over and there's a there's an, I'm not gonna say what kind of field, but there's an athletic field and there's a whole bunch of cars there and there's some kids out there on the field and they're playing some kind of sports and I'm thinking, are you serious? It used to be a place that they didn't do anything on Wednesday nights because churches had service and they didn't do that, but that went away. Now they're actually having stuff on Sunday morning. I'm not ragging on that. What I am saying to you is this. What are you passionate about that has become between you and your relationship with Christ Jesus? See, Paul, it gone beyond loving God, the God of the Jewish people, to the place that for him it was more of a passion of showing others they better serve his God instead of revealing the love of his God. I tell this to my kids all the time. In fact, don't get mad at me. Even in the day that we're living in today, we have movements that are so popular and so moving. The problem with the movement is they forget about the people they're trying to serve and they become more about the movement. They'll lie, cheat, and everything else to push the movement instead of realizing they're hurting the people that they're trying to get the movement for. Don't clap, I don't care. Paul had become so focused on the movement that he forgot about the God that he was serving that was a God of love and of compassion and that cared more about the people than the policies, more about the people, amen, than the problems, more about the relationship than the rules. So I want to talk to you some today about some heroes. You ready? Number one, write this down. Your values determine if if you're a villain or a hero. Your values determine whether you're a villain or a hero. Meanwhile, Saul Saul was still breathing in murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. Listen, I don't think even the high priest had gotten tired of Paul. Oh, Lord, here he comes. (laughs) Hey, Paul. Yeah, Yeah, I know you want to go kill some more people, Paul. Okay, you need some more letters, Paul? Okay. Oh, my God. You ever met that person? We all know him. Look besides if it's the one beside you. Yeah, that's right. Paul or Saul, y'all hear me keep saying his name. His name was initially Saul. And eventually his name got turned to Paul. Why? Because when God changes your life, he changes your life. And the titles that were attached to you by the world and by the enemy, God can change those titles and give you a whole new title. See, a villain would become seen by his values, what he perceives to be most important in his life. For Paul, it no longer was about God. It was about showing everybody else they better serve his God. 
Villains are recognized by their hateful sayings. In fact, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing murderous threats. I went and looked up some, some villains this week, some of their sayings, and I didn't even know some of these villains this week. And what, Loki? I know who Loki is. Thor's brother, thank you. You're a nerd. <laughs> I didn't even know who Loki was. I didn't know who he was, but I found one of his sayings was, one was, you will always kneel to me. Another one was, and Anne has no quarrel with the boot. Then I found another called the Green Goblin. I know who he is, no reason. I know who the Green Goblin is. His was called, why, brother. Another one was a man by the name of the Joker. And his favorite saying was, dance with the devil by the pale blue moonlight. If I remember that. Another one, I didn't know who this guy was. Don't judge me. Dr. Octopus. Somebody goes, what? Listen, I'm in the Word all the time. What are y'all doing? His favorite saying was, being, being brilliant isn't enough. You can determine if someone is a hero or villain by spending five minutes with them. Just listen to what they say, who they talk about, the kind of jokes that come out of their mouth, how they talk about another race, how they, listen, spend enough time with somebody and you'll find out whether they're a villain or not. Amen. Can I tell you to start listening to the words? Can I tell you to start listening to what the friends you're hanging around with are having to say? Are they a villain? Are they a hero? Are they uplifting or tearing down? Are they building up? What are they doing? Another villains are recognized by their mean sidekicks. I'm going to get in trouble here too because I didn't know some of this. Lex Luthor from Superman, his sidekick was a man named, do you know? You don't know. <laughs> Otis. Anybody remember Otis? Yeah, he was a stupid guy. His name was Otis. There, there was another one. And, uh, I, I looked up the Joker. Anybody know who the Joker's sidekick was? How do y'all know that? Who said that? I didn't know that. I had no idea. Holly Quinn, I didn't know that was, I saw, I remember seeing her in that movie like Suicide Squad and I thought she was a new made up character. I had no idea she was Batman sidekick. Some of you need to stop watching TV. So much. Another way you can tell a villain is by who they hang around with. My father always saw me, he said, you hang around eagles, you fly with eagles, you hang around turkeys, you're a turkey. You always recognize a villain many times by the people they hang around with. Here's another thing. Villains are recognized by their diabolical actions. That's how you tell someone's a villain or hero when you hang around with them. What are they involved in? What are they doing? See, at the end of the day, sometimes a villain can say a lot of good things, but at the end of the day, if their actions don't back up their words, they're still a villain. Amen. Here's the second thing. Visions and voices have to change to change a villain. Visions and voices have to change to change a villain. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? As he neared Damascus. Here's a question I have for, for some of you. What are you near? Or what's the nearest thing to your heart? As he's setting out on the journey to go to Damascus, in fact, he's gotten probably so excited, he's about in prison, persecuted. He's getting all excited as he gets to Damascus. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get me some Christians, yeah. Let me ask you something. What's exciting you today? 
What is closest and nearest to your heart? Is it your job? Oh, that's the most important thing. I know as men, that's how we define ourselves. Is it your money? How much money you got? The house you live in? Is it your relationships? In the last of the campus, I said, if you're, if you're single today, raise your hand. Nobody raised their hand, but I knew there were singles in the crowd. Is it a determination to find the right spouse more than it is determination to follow the right God? Because if you'll follow the right God, God will send you the right person. When you pursue following somebody and trying to find somebody because you don't want to be alone, what will end up happening is as you follow them, you'll leave God. All the single ladies. I, I, listen, I ain't just jumping on the ladies. Men, I know you too. Men are worse, especially if they're pretty. We're just stupid, pretty women. We're like, oh, It's like we get mesmerized. We can't help ourselves. Ain't that right, Brian? Brian knows. You say, no. I'm still working on him. James 4, 8 says this, come near to God and he will come near to you. It's that simple. If you want God in your life, you got to draw near to God. How do I draw near to God? Get in the word. Get on your knees and pray. Get your rear end in church, amen. Stop coming to church once a month. They did a study a while back. The average person comes to church 1.5 times a month. So I'm assuming they come one Sunday, then come to another service and get mad and offended and leave out during the middle of the service. Halfway through, they leave. That's what 1.5 means. Please get in the house of the... You're, you're, you're telling God you give him an hour a month. But see, if you're drawn near to God, God will draw near to you. If you come close to God, God will bless you. Listen, we need to realize that God wants to have a deep, defining relationship with you and all he wants you to do is come to him and let him bless you, touch you, give you joy, give you peace, give you rest if you'll just draw near to God. To stop being a villain, we have to change the voices we're listening to. You know, I've, me and my son, my wife has become sometimes our I, I, this, this next generation, my Lord, I just, I pray for them. So me, me and my son have gotten where we can't talk about politics or we can't, we don't. My wife's like, don't. My son, she's like, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I agree, son. Can I tell you, you've got to know the voices that are speaking to your head and speaking to your life. And can I tell you, if the voices don't back up the word of God, then you don't agree with the words that are being spoken in your life. We've been told now in a generation that things that were biblical, that were according to God's word, are no longer according to God's word. Oh, that was for then, not for now. They did a study a while back of how many Christians actually believe that the word of God is the infallible word of God, and it shocked me how many believe that maybe 70% of the Bible is true. Can I tell you something today? If you don't believe in all of the Bible, don't believe in any of the Bible. Because if one place God lied in the scriptures and God lied throughout the scriptures, then stop believing his word. But if you're going to believe in his word, you believe all of his word. Even when it goes against your politics, even when it goes against the way you've been raised, even when it goes against what make you, may make you feel good, 
I'm running out of time. To stop being a villain, you have to change the way you visualize the world. This is, see, it, blind, it blinded Paul. For three days, Paul couldn't see. You know why? Because God had to say to Paul, I'm tired of you seeing through your physical eyes, and I want you to see through spiritual eyes. In John chapter 9, verse 39, it says this, Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Did you hear that? If we would start seeking God, God would start opening our eyes to see things we've never seen before. But for some of you, you're so blinded by the world and your desire, desire to follow the world that you don't realize you are actually blind. If I want to stop being a villain, I've got to learn in my life to let God open my eyes. God, open my spiritual eyes that I may see what you're doing, that I may see that it is you. That you've got to change the way you see things in your life. And number three, when a villain encounters the true hero, everything changes. Everything changes. I've been a Christian most of my life. I got saved at the age of seven years old. I'll never forget it. 1977. I was dressed in a white and brown, I had brown shirt on, white suit on, like John Travolta. Y'all remember that? That's how I looked. So when I got saved, I looked good. I did this all the way to the altar. My wife just said, my wife's going, what is that? You're too young, honey. And I was saved for most of my life. I went through high school saved and loved Jesus. I didn't say I was perfect. Because let me tell you, some people are saved and some people are saved. See, I was a Christian most of my life, but I spent most of my high school years getting kicked out of high school because I fought all the time and getting in trouble, almost arrested because I fought all the time. And I was a Christian, but I had a, a pride problem. Out of high school, in college, something happened to me. And I lost my relationship with God. And not only did I lose my relationship with God, I stopped believing. And not only did I stop believing, I was on the verge of being either an, an agnostic or an atheist. I got in reading philosophy and things like that. But see, I've been raised by a father. Mother and moms and dads, let me tell you something. Hear me well. You will never understand how important it is you keep your children in church and around in a relationship with Jesus. My parents always did. And I came home one night, sad, depressed, probably out doing things I shouldn't have been doing. I was crying. I got, and I was so lonely and so miserable trying to fill it with others. And, and I said, God, you said, if we have faith of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. And that's about all I got left. That's about all I got left. I said, if you're there, you're going to have to prove it because I don't know if I believe in you anymore. To think I said that to this day still bothers me to no end. 
This is on a Saturday night. I would go to church the next day as I normally did. I would get there late and I would leave early. So for you who keep doing that, you're running from God. Because I didn't want to talk to nobody about no church. And I sure didn't want to talk to anybody about God. But a professor of a Bible college by the name of Miss Iquina, as I was leaving early, prompted by the Holy Spirit, she would catch me outside. She'd come up and love me and hug me. She said, John, I got a word for you. And I can remember thinking in my mind, I don't care what you got to say. I didn't say it out loud because I respected her. And she said to me, because, see, one of the things I said that night was, God, I don't know if I believe in you anymore. And if you're there, you're going to have to prove it. You're going to have to show me. And she said, I don't know why I'm supposed to tell you this, but God told me to tell you that he is here. And that he is real. My eyes got about that big around. But she would hit on a core problem in my life that I didn't speak of that night, but it had been bothering from the very beginning of my life. And she said to me, God told me to tell you that he does have a plan for your life, and it is bigger than you can imagine. See, the problem with me is I thought God loves everybody else and God has a plan for everybody else, but I'll be mediocre the rest of my life and I'll never do anything for the kingdom of God. I'm not like my dad. I'm not like my brothers. I'll never be like them. God can never use me. That encounter that day would change my life forever. I'm not saying I hadn't made mistakes along the way. Now I'm just saying I haven't failed. And I'm not even saying there's been times that I have not trusted God because there have been times. But I've never for one moment since then doubted that there is a God in heaven who loves me and that no matter what mistakes that I've made or what I've done, He is there. He will always love me. He'll never leave me nor shall He forsake me. I had an encounter with God that changed my life forever. I want you to stand with me. David, I was about to say David, I don't know why. Paul, no longer Saul, would go out and change the world. Most of the New Testament would be written by Paul. It would be Paul that at the end of Paul's life, Faced with certain death, and in fact, we know Paul that would lose his head for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say this to you. For some of you that you want everything in your life being hunky-dory, listen, serving God is not about everything in your life being hunky-dory. At the end of Paul's life, here's the words that he would say. I have finished the race. I have finished the course. Paul wasn't afraid of death. In fact, here's the words that Paul would say. Paul said, I am betwixt. That means I'm torn. Paul said, I so bad want to go home to be with God. I learn, I long and yearn for the day that I can stand before my God. He said, but yet I know one more day on this earth I get to tell one more person 
about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you will ever have an encounter with God like that. You ask me, Pastor, why do you cry so much? And why does it? Because I'm in so in love with my God. I love him. And if you ever fall in love with your God, it'll change every part of your life. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. If you're here today and you want to have an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, I want you to raise your hand right now. Lord, I pray for every hand that is raised. I ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ today, let them have an encounter with you that will change their now. It would change their now. That, Lord, right now be no more about the past, no fears of the future. That, God, I pray that they'd have such an encounter with God that right now is the most important moment of their life, and that is serving you. Touch them, Lord, I pray. Let them experience your love. Bless their life. And let that encounter change every aspect of who they are. Let it take them from being a villain to being a hero, from living a life against God to a life for God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, one last question. If you're here today and say, Pastor, I don't know this Jesus you're talking about. I know his name. I've read about him, but I don't know him personally. I've never accepted him as Lord and Savior. Maybe you have, but you've walked away. Whatever it may be, if you're here today and say, Pastor, I want to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. I want to invite him. Listen, all you have to do today to be saved is admit that you're a sinner in need of God's grace and wonderful love. Believe that he is the son of the living God, died on a cross for you, but yet rose on the third day and lives forevermore. And with your mouth confess him, Lord, of your life, and you shall be saved. If that is you today and you would like to give your heart and life to Christ, no one's looking. It's just you and me and the Lord. I just want you to raise your hand high right now so I can see it. Amen, 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 amen. I've had four raise their hand, give God praise. Say this prayer with me, say it loud, say it proud as four new names have been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Say, dear Jesus, I invite you to my heart and into my life. Forgive me of all my sins and all my ways. I repent and I come to you and ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life forever and ever. Amen. Give God praise. We are so thankful that you chose to join us here at Compassion Church online today. We hope and pray that God spoke something specifically to your heart and life that you can take and go share with someone else. Don't forget, if you have any needs or prayers, make sure that you connect with us. We're a family and we do life together. So don't forget, comment below, message one of us, and we'd love to connect with you. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you back next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc.